Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Great stuff. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Great to see everyone. I'm going to uh, continue to dive into our um, series that we're focused on that we just highlighted there on the books of Peter. And so uh, let's go ahead and, and do that. We're gonna, I'm going to talk quickly uh, and try and fit a lot in, in a short amount of time here. But we know about Peter and his closeness with the Lord. He not only was one of the 12, as you guys know, but he was also one of the inner circle, one of the three that Jesus brought close to him, uh, shared with him things, he and James and John, brothers, that others didn't get to get to be a part of, saw the transfiguration of Jesus, saw the raising of a dead girl together, just the four of them, and also at the Garden of Gethsemane. So Peter brought in close, made really a leader over these 12, and then, of course, the calling of Jesus on his life after Jesus restored him, to pastor people, tend the flock, take care of the body of Christ, Jesus' body that was specifically given to him. So these books that he shares, you'll read about, and we'll read, about tending and taking care of people. So part of, and when we read the book of Peter, first and second, keep in mind that this is a pastoral letter for you and I to be paying attention to uh, in ways that we should live and how we can be taken care of by the Lord. But it's, it's helpful to help guard and, um, and lead us. In addition to that, it is replete with references to suffering. So it's, he's writing this to people in persecuted places, people who have given their life to Jesus and are being persecuted all the time, suffering for what they uh, believe. And so... We can't identify with a lot of that part uh, where we live. There are elements of it that we can, and I think we probably will more and more into the future. But uh, this is a, it's just all the way through this. So um, I want to, we finished the first two chapters last week. My hope is to do another two today, but we've got to go backwards slightly uh, so that everything is in context. So I'm going to read the last few verses of First Peter 2 again so that the beginning of First. Of, of chapter 3 will make sense. So let's back up to verse 20 of 1 Peter 2. And Lord, we just thank you for your word and thank you for the words that uh, you gave Peter to write to these folks. And Lord, we ask that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Make this real. Help us as we want to follow you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading the scriptures is a wonderful thing. Verse 20, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So it's, it's you know, that's self-explanatory. Let's not uh, suffer because of our own sin. Let's, let's suffer the right way, which is doing the right thing, loving people the right way, following Jesus with our lives, and if there's suffering that comes with it, there's favor with that. Verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, 
And a part, we talked about purpose. We had a men's meeting here a couple of days ago. We talked some about purpose and finding our purpose. And Peter reveals one small part of our purpose of being a follower of Jesus. It's actually to suffer a little bit. And that that is what Jesus did. And there's, he said, you know, Jesus is leading the way in this, suffering for our faith, that persecution type of suffering, not suffering sickness, that type of thing. I'm not talking about that, but talking about decisions you make, relationships that will you may lose because of your following Jesus. And my guess is all of you have experienced some of those type of things. It is a part of kind of, kind of baked into the Christian life, a bit of suffering in there. It's supposed to be there. And if we feel that and run away from it or get angry about it, we're missing out on what God intended for us to endure. There's favor from God when we suffer. Remember when the disciples um, preached, cast out demon, they're doing amazing thing, doing everything right, then they get thrown in prison. Before they get thrown in prison, they're beaten with rods. Then they get thrown in prison, they get out. As soon as they get out, what are they doing? They're rejoicing. They're jumping up and down saying, we got to suffer. Now that is, I've never heard a Christian say that before. But the believers before us and many around the world right now have that mindset. I, I got to suffer. It's like I got to participate in something Jesus went through by following him. That's, just, that's amazing. So anyway, that's is part of what he's talking about here. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd in guardian of your souls. So there's a little bit of the context. He's speaking to servants in that context right now. And then here we go in chapter three, verse one. In the same way, so the same way, the same heart of being able to endure through difficult things and the heart of honoring, he's speaking to servants ahead. It says, you wives, he's speaking to wives for a moment. Peter starts meddling. So... <laughs> Buckle up and don't get angry at me. I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> you wives, he's speaking to servants, then he's speaking to wives. Be submissive to your husbands. Another word that is really a part of that is devoted to your husband. And I know that in our culture, that word is really um, causes a lot of issues, causes a lot of problems. But when you think of, and we were just seeing over this, that God has, his way is the right way. He has the ways that we don't fully understand. If we would do the things that he wants us to do, it's the right way. And it works really well. And he's gonna talk to husbands here in a moment. But if husbands are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they are loving the way that they are supposed to love their wives and lead the way that they're supposed to lead their wives, then wives should be able to submit or be devoted in a way that brings joy 
that is a wonderful fitting together, not something oppressive. And the problem is when something bad happens and there's an abuse in an area, there tends to be a reaction from that and throw everything away when that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yes, there's, men have mistreated women. Many husbands have mistreated wives. That doesn't take away from the truth and the power and the beauty of how God designed something, right? So that's a, that's a part of this. Be devoted to your husbands. His way is better. So that even if any of them, these husbands, are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe their chaste, another way in the message it says, they are captivated by their holy beauty and respectful behavior. In other words, they're not whining, controlling, complaining, snarky, manipulating. Okay? Not gonna do those type of things, but by behavior that is respectful, that is honoring, even if the guy is not doing the right thing, is the context here. Even if the guy's not, the husband's not doing, leading well, not treating her well, by her behavior, her holiness on the inside that's beautiful and her not doing the wrong thing says, you're, excuse me, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding of the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. Both when he's speaking to servants and to women and then to men a little bit later, these are heart issues that Peter's talking to us about, talking to the church about. Let it be the hidden person of the heart. Not that we shouldn't dress nice and look nice, but even more importantly, what's going on on the inside with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And it's not like the Lord, by the way. That's not that. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Peter also highlights there one of the enemy's prime attacks on women is fear. It says, don't be frightened by it. Fear is a liar. And it will come, but we don't have to be frightened by it. We don't have to listen to it. Verse seven, you husbands, here we go, guys. In the same way as he's talking to the serfs, all who serve and to the wives, have the same heart. Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker And really, if you look at this, the context of that is speaking of physical strength, not spiritually weaker or mentally weaker. That's not what is really spoken of here when Peter is saying this. It's more of a physical thing. Because oftentimes, and I said this to the men this week, that oftentimes the women can be more spiritual and stronger spiritually than their husbands. That often happens. So he's not talking about that. It's since she is a woman, God didn't make her physically strong. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Ah, that's pretty key. 
for men, husbands, if you don't want your prayers to be hindered, if you want God to hear your prayers and answer them, how are we treating our wives? That's really important. I heard someone say once, this is not scripture, that the, to the men, that the Lord treats you as a husband like you treat your wife. Like, I want to treat her well. Not just for that reason, because I love her, but I want God to treat, because I'm, in one sense, she's also his wife. I need to be treating her well, giving honor, as it says, as a fellow heir here. Verse eight, to sum up, all of you, every person in every state of life, be harmonious, united together, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. Give a blessing instead. What that means really, to give a blessing instead, is to pray for someone, to bless them in a prayer, like to pray your best prayer over someone for their well-being, their contentment, their protection. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Here's another part of our purpose that is revealed in Peter's letter that a part of our purpose is to pray and bless people. And when we do that, there's a blessing that comes back to us as well. Verse 10, for the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit, must turn away from evil and do good. Turn away from it. We can turn away from evil and do good things instead. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 13, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, which April was talking about, yet with gentleness and reverence. In every circumstance, every day, I need to, we need to set in our heart Jesus as Lord. And however I'm treated, I'm not going to fight back but I'm going to give love and I'm going to get approval from him, not from other people. That's an important setting in my life, in the mornings, in the middle of the day, when I think of it, I'm setting you as Lord of my heart every single day. And I'm looking for opportunities to talk about your goodness and who you are and how awesome you are. Verse 16, and keep a good conscience. Keep your conscience clean. If something God gives us a conscience, it's a whole other teaching, but he's given you a conscience. And when that gets offended, when it gets, uh, when the spirit of God uses it to really convict, make sure that we respond to it, repent, ask for forgiveness, ask him to cleanse that conscience. So that in the thing that which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God will, will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, 
the greatest story and the greatest thing ever told, what he did, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. What an interesting concept. No one really knows exactly what he means here. There are a lot of different ideas. Those who died, we'll read a little bit further about Noah. Those who before Noah died and they are, their spirits are kind of kept in a purgatory of, of sorts. Jesus went to preach to them. That's one, uh, I guess, interpretation. There are many others, uh, but not quite sure. Some believe it's fallen angels. We'll just keep going. Verse 20, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from your flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. When he says baptism saves you, he's not talking about the physical water touching your body, but what baptism represents, right? Baptism represents that you've given your life to Jesus. You've died with him. You've become born again, risen to new life. And when you get baptized and you do that, it's this symbol of what this exchange that has happened already with you and Jesus. Amazing. Okay, we're gonna do this in record time. First Peter chapter four, verse one. We'll go a few minutes late probably. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Wow, this is just over and over and over. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. I'm not gonna be treated right. Be ready for it. Be ready for this, like almost excited about it. That is what the earlier Christians believed, and that is what Peter is saying to you. Arm yourself for that, because the one who has suffered in the flesh has seized from sin, so as to live the rest of his time in the flesh, no longer for human lusts, but for the will of God. Uh, you know, one of the weaknesses I shared with my staff recently um, that I have is I have not been good at arming myself to suffer when I'm mistreated or falsely accused, especially. I tend to strike back, defend myself. And that's, uh, that's something I'm trying to crucify in my life. Psalm 22 is prophesying about Jesus. It says, I'm a worm and not a man. You know, you step on a worm, it doesn't strike back. You step on a snake, it bites. And Jesus did not fight back. He did not defend himself. And that's the nature that he wants us to have is that very same thing where we arm ourselves to suffer in the sense of if I'm falsely accused, I'm not fighting back. I'm not gonna defend myself in a way that strikes out or lashes out. Verse three, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, worldliness having pursued a course of indecent behavior, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, wanton idolatries, and all this, they are surprised, who, your friends, that you do not run with them in the same excesses of debauchery, and they slander you. That's part of this suffering that he's talking about. How many of you, when you gave your life to the Lord, maybe you weren't a little kid, you're a little bit older, 
and your lifestyle changed and uh, your friends weren't too thrilled with that. We have some folks in here, we've got several. You had to change friends probably, right? There were some words that came from them calling you all kind of you Bible thumper, this, that, and the other, holier than thou, right? All those kind of things. That's what he's talking about here. Some of them, they're just going, what's wrong with you? Well, that's, that's part of this following Jesus. Verse five, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as people, they might live in the spirit according to the will of God. Verse seven, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Going back to what Jesus said, these are the most important things, loving God with all of our heart and loving one another, even as much as we love ourselves. He's reinforcing that. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It's powerful. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each has received a special gift, employ that gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. There are many ways to love people. There are many ways to employ our gift. At Awake, there are, we've got probably 20 different areas to serve in. That's a way to employ the gift God has given you to serve other people. Many, many ways to do that. And I've found, honestly, in life, and everyone who is, I'm sure, in here looking for their purpose, what has God given me to do? What's his calling for me, his purpose for me? I have found one way to find your purpose is by using the gift that you have, the skill that you have, whatever it is, and employ it in serving people. As you do that, it's amazing what clarity may come in part of what your calling is and what it's not. You start serving in an area and you may go, this is not what I've been called to do in life. You might serve another area and something comes alive that you did not even know existed and a passion for a certain people or to do a certain thing. It's like God starts speaking and fortifying and growing and allowing your purpose to emerge as you employ what you have in serving others. It's a wonderful thing. It's not just waiting around, okay, God, I'm waiting for you to tell me my purpose before I do anything. Nope. Employ your gift and watch, watch God reveal and open doors for your purpose. It's a wonderful thing. Verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal Among you, you felt some fire. The fiery ordeal among you. Don't be surprised when everything doesn't go right. Don't be surprised when there's great difficulty, 
when there's turmoil, when there's conflict, when there's suffering for doing the right thing, when there's false accusation, when there's all, don't be surprised. Peter says it's a, like a fiery ordeal you're going through. It's a furnace of sorts, which comes upon you for your testing. God never tempts, but he does test. And testing is a beautiful thing because in the test, you find out what's real and what's not. And you find out the things that God wants to remove and take away from you and help deliver you from in ways you need to make adjustments in so that the true gold is there. So that in other situations that he is leading us into, we'll be ready. We'll be able to help other people. We'll be able to lead well. We'll be able to respond well. So don't be surprised at fiery ordeals. They're supposed to come. God's testing. He's helping us. He's leading us. Exactly. But to the degree that you are sharing the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. How about that mindset? What if we all were able to do that? Like, really? Turn every suffering thing into a rejoicing moment. It brings new light into what you're going through. And I tell you what, it will freeze your heart. Freeze your heart. It helps you endure that. So that the revelation of his glory may, excuse me, of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you're insulted in the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You're blessed when you're insulted. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, a thief, evildoer, troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in, the, in his name, excuse me, in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Hello. Right? And if it begins with us first, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? What will that be? The Lord um, is so kind and loving, but he also is the judge. He's the one who also deals with issues and situations. He's the father who takes care of things and doesn't just let us get away with things. And he will expose things in his own body because he's wanting a pure bride who represents him well. And so he's going to deal with things. We need to have a stranglehold on the grace and the mercy of God at the same time recognizing he is holy and he wants me to live that way too. Amen. Right? It's both of those things. It's both. God wants us to live. He says, be ye holy. Peter says that as well. As the Lord is holy. And so when sin is there, it may go for a little while, but then it's going to get, and oftentimes it gets exposed in the leaders in the church. Not so often in the members, but goodness sakes, in the leaders. And then we can repent, come back to the Lord. Does a lot of damage sometimes, but out of his kindness, he judges the household of God to help us. 
Verse 18, and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are here to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. I think that's enough for today. Thank you, Lord, for your word and these words. Holy Spirit, we want to live your way. Your way is the best way, even if we don't fully understand it. Help us to live as your children that not only are loved by you, but live according to your ways, that live full of your spirit, that desire you above any other thing, that serve others wholeheartedly. Lord, I, I thank you for this church and for these people and the way that they love and serve each other. Lord, I, may that just continue and increase. May we be known by our love for one another as having a great love for you. Lord, we invite you into our lives and even as we sang today to have your way in our hearts and our lives and our minds to change us every way you want us changed that we would look like you. Treat people like you treat them. Lord, and I ask for that hope to be so strong in all of us, regardless of what we're going through. And in every bit of suffering for everyone in here, may there be a, a rejoicing that starts to grow like a seed on the inside, a rejoicing in the midst of difficulty and a trusting you with ourselves and our lives and our future and what's going on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.